Hey everyone, before we get started with the show today, we have a quick favor to ask you. We're a nonprofit focused on preparing business journalism students like us for their future careers. We also like to keep what we're doing free for our audience around the state. Because of this, we depend on donations from listeners like you. So, if you would like to support us this holiday season, please head to missourybusinessalert.com slash donate to help our efforts in supporting student journalism. Again, that's missourybusinessalert.com slash donate. Thank you, and now on to the show. Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alerts podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Casey Murray. And I'm Jack Anstein. On today's episode, we'll look at why so many people are taking an interest in chess and what impact this surge in interest has on Missouri businesses. And later, we'll hear from people who are taking a DIY approach to medical marijuana, checking in with some of Missouri's home growers. Plus, we'll have the week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak startup. So Casey, this is our last show from 2020. How are you feeling about it? It feels a little bittersweet to me, like we're finally wrapping up all the craziness that this year has been. Yeah, I've really enjoyed podcasting with you throughout the year. It's been a bright spot in all the craziness that's been going on, but it'll be nice to take some time off and kind of recharge after the new year. I definitely agree. Do you have any fun plans or resolutions for the new year? One of my resolutions is because I'm graduating next year. I'd like to ideally find a job and have a good plan for what I'll do after I graduate. How about you? I definitely feel that. I'm on to the job search as well, but one of my biggest resolutions is to finally adopt a cat. That's a great resolution. I'm going to really miss living with my roommate's cat at school. But why don't we now move on to our headlines of the week? The Community Foundation of the Ozarks launched a new loan program focusing on helping nonprofits that have struggled with fundraising during the pandemic. The program is making more than $1.2 million available that will be loaned to nonprofits in arts, environments, and animals. Eligible nonprofits must have annual revenues of at least $100,000. Loan amounts will be between $20,000 and $50,000. Applications for the new National Geospatial Intelligence Agency Startup Accelerator in St. Louis are now open through January 17th. The accelerator plans to select eight startups focused on data management, advanced analytics and modeling, security, and artificial intelligence. Selected companies will receive $100,000 in non-dilutive funding and will operate out of St. Louis for the length of the program. The Accelerator is also sponsored by the Missouri Technology Corporation and Capital Innovators. A new federal lawsuit aims to overturn state rules requiring any company operating a medical marijuana business in the state to be majority owned by Missouri residents. The lawsuit said that because of the rule, applying for a license in the state would be futile, and that the rule deprives business owners of valuable business opportunities. The lawsuit argues that it is unconstitutional because it favors Missouri citizens and businesses at the expense of those in other states. The Kansas City Chiefs are launching a new fitness business in collaboration with the co-founder of 24-Hour Fitness. Chiefs Fit will be coming to the Kansas City area in the spring of 2021. The 37,000-square-foot facility will offer fitness equipment, an indoor turf field, 
group classes, personal training, and more. The facility is being built with sanitation and social distancing in mind, according to a press release. Membership enrollment will open in January. We will now be focusing on a game that's recently had a boom in popularity, chess. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot more people have been interested in chess since the Netflix series The Queen's Gambit came out. That's right, but that's not the only reason why more people have been engaging in chess. Once the COVID-19 pandemic hit, a lot of chess clubs had to switch to playing online. Interestingly enough, chess organizations experienced a lot more engagement on the internet, which has helped support chess-related businesses. Interesting. How has this affected those businesses? Well, not only has it increased the sales of chess sets and demand for lessons for the businesses I spoke with, but it's also allowed for some chess players to earn money through streaming and producing chess videos online. I spoke to a few chess clubs and businesses in the state to learn more. Chess is a game that can be traced back over 1,500 years. Now, this classic game has suddenly captured the attention of people all over the world. You are a marvel, my dear. I may have just played the best chess player of my life. Thank you. That was The Queen's Gambit, a chess-focused Netflix series that has brought a spotlight to the game. This increased engagement has had an impact on businesses right here in Missouri. Ken Fee is the executive director of the Kansas City Chess Club, which teaches chess, runs chess programs in schools, and sells chess sets and equipment. He said that the club has experienced recent growth. So uh, the Queen's Gambit has been great uh, advertising, and it's it's helped uh, promote our club and promote chess. And so the numbers are just uh, gone up 200% at least. Fee said he especially noticed this increased engagement from one demographic in particular. I'm seeing many more girls. In the past, I'd see 10% girls. Now I'm seeing up to 50% girls join the chess club and the chess school. Tony Rich is executive director of the St. Louis Chess Club, a nonprofit that runs chess lessons, chess championships, the Chess Hall of Fame, a gift shop, and even a chess-themed diner. He said that while he's also noticed increased engagement following the release of The Queen's Gambit, the COVID-19 pandemic is another factor contributing to chess's recent spike in popularity. It's probably more, um, you know, the lockdown, the pandemic. So many people are spending so much time at home now and you don't have the chance to go to, to concerts and sporting events and all of those things that we used to do to gather together. So I think chess is kind of one of those natural things that people gravitate toward where you still get this, this personal interaction, the banter, the um, camaraderie that comes with the game, also the competitive side of it as well. So um, yeah, absolutely. There's been a, a huge um, interest in chess. Once the COVID-19 pandemic hit, chess organizations had to improvise by moving lessons and tournaments online to streaming and video call services and platforms. When we um, unfortunately had to close in March um, due to the lockdown, it was unclear when we could reopen and what services we could provide. So we really took the bull by the horns at that point and uh, tried to convert as much of our offerings to uh, online offerings as possible. Fee with the Kansas City Chess Club said that the move online actually made chess businesses more accessible. I would say that um, our club has actually grown 
because now you, in Kansas City, you don't have to drive. And so now you just pop on your computer and you can participate in our uh, Friday Night Chess Club. So we have a lot of members that are attending and playing every Friday night that uh, could not in the past because of the traffic and the drive time. And we have members throughout the state. As a result, Fee said the demand for chess lessons has skyrocketed. Hey, I only had uh, two days off since August 13th. I've had to adapt because we're online and the number of chess lessons. Now when you're online, people want me seven days a week. Since the pandemic, things have just uh, increased, you know, tremendously. He also said that some chess players have been able to capitalize on the switch to online by gaining large followings by playing chess on streaming sites like Twitch and through YouTube videos. Almost all of the top level world chess is online now. And you have uh, big time grandmasters like Nakamura who are on Twitch. You have Ben Feingold who's on Twitch and they're getting huge amounts of subscribers. But now he is sponsored by a big time company and uh, they are making lots of money. The St. Louis Chess Club was streaming online and posting videos before the pandemic. Rich said the club has seen a major boost in its following. Well, our Twitch channel and YouTube channel, actually, I would say those are really important metrics, too. Um, you know, our Twitch uh, following has increased over 20,000 followers. Uh, live viewers have increased by over 500 percent. On YouTube, we have over 300,000 subscribers now, and our viewership there has increased by 20%. This increased engagement has also led to a rise in chess set sales. The St. Louis Chess Club reported a 76% increase in chess set sales at its key boutique gift shop in March, after the COVID-19 pandemic hit the Midwest, and a 200% increase in sales following the release of the Queen's Gambit. Fee, with the Kansas City Chess Club, has experienced similar growth as well. We're selling more chess sets than we've ever had. Uh, our, our sales have increased by three or 400%. It's crazy. Uh, I think I, I have to order some more of my uh, beautiful wooden chess sets because, I mean, they were just popping off my uh, internet store so fast. Rich with the St. Louis Chess Club said that as chess remains on the rise, he believes the game will offer impactful lessons to new players. It's more than just Monopoly. Uh, chess teaches important life skills and important lessons. It teaches kids how to plan ahead and how to understand that there are consequences for every move in the game. So you could play 40 perfect moves and get so close to winning and then just one mistake that could impact the outcome of the game. Today, we are joined by reporter Olivia Evans. Recently, Olivia has been working on a story covering the medical marijuana industry in Missouri. Why did you decide to report on this industry? Well, I was looking for story ideas to pitch, and I noticed there were three medical marijuana dispensaries scheduled to open in Columbia before the end of the year, and lots more across the state. Right. Medical marijuana business in the state started operating in October. Can you give us a quick refresher about the components of this new industry in Missouri? Sure. Well, there's obviously the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services, which regulates and approves everything relating to the industry. There are large-scale cultivation farms that grow to sell to dispensaries. 
Dispensaries sell products to consumers. Before any products actually make it to a dispensary, they go through a series of state testing at specific facilities. There is also the actual medical side, where doctors diagnose and prescribe medical marijuana to patients based on qualifying conditions. Finally, there are consumers and home growers. I chose to focus my reporting on home growers. Why did you decide to focus on that? For me, that was the part of the industry I was the least familiar with. When I think of legalized medical marijuana, I imagine the dispensaries and large farms, but I don't think of people growing for themselves at home. Times are really changing. Like, who would have thought some little guy in Missouri that grows tomatoes in his backyard and now he can grow weed, you know? That's Ben Brazel. He's one of the people I met reporting on this story. He is a home grower and a medical marijuana caregiver in Kansas City. Why do people like Brazel get into home growing? One reason people get into the medical marijuana industry, in general, is due to it being a natural remedy. They say they would rather use plant-based remedies than rely on synthetic pharmaceuticals. For others, there is a certain level of independence and power that comes with the ability to grow their own medicine. To be able to cultivate it ourselves and to have that level of control is a pretty beautiful thing. That's Ben Pitzer. We'll hear more from him in a second. Are there other motivations? Absolutely. Another reason people turn to home growing is the savings and cost over time. It's no secret that medical marijuana isn't cheap. While there can be a steep initial setup cost with buying lights, soil, and other necessary supplies to grow at home, the long-term savings are worth it for many. Say 70 bucks an eighth, so times eight, you're talking four or 500 bucks an ounce that you would, if you had to go to the dispensary, you're paying 500 bucks. Say you, you go through an ounce a month, 500 a month. I'm probably saving two to 5,000 bucks just by growing my own. So let's say I want to be a home grower. Where do I get supplies? You could get your supplies from a grow shop like Ben Pitzer's. Pitzer is a medical marijuana patient, plans to be a home grower, and co-owns Pressure Drop Grow Shop in Hillsborough on the outskirts of the St. Louis area. We have a kiosk in our store um, that allows patients to come in and they can either do the, the telehealth visit right there, even um, if it's available, or they can at least uh, sign up for their appointment. You have to have your uh, merchant permit. We're a garden supply shop, man. We're an ancillary cannabis business, which is, is interesting because we don't have to jump through all the hoops that like a dispensary does because we're not selling any product here. You know, we're just selling the tools and the resources and the knowledge so that people can be do-it-yourselfers if they so choose. Wow, there sure are a lot of ways to be involved in the medical marijuana industry. Olivia, thank you for taking the time to stop by and talk about this growing industry. Thanks for having me. get to the digits of the week, the numbers that matter most in Missouri entrepreneurship. My digit is four. Why is that? With Book Club, a virtual book club launched by a Kansas City entertainment business, you get four books a month along with your four-month subscription. Swell Spark runs entertainment and nightlife venues, such as escape rooms, but pivoted when the pandemic forced them to suspend much of their business. The book club now focuses on professional and personal development, with networking opportunities and virtual events where business leaders in the city will speak. 
SwellSpark hasn't revealed who speakers will be yet, but more information is available at SwellSpark.com. Now what's your digit? My digit is eight, because Casey SourceLink is putting on eight new classes about starting a business for new entrepreneurs. Some of these classes recently started, but others won't get going until February, and they cover everything from the first steps of starting a business to promoting a business on social media. The classes come partly because there's been an estimated 367% increase in people starting businesses because of the pandemic. This is a phenomenon seen in other recessions. If people are out of work or suddenly in need of a side hustle, they may finally give that business idea in their head a shot. The classes are either low cost or no cost, as the organization hopes to help entrepreneurs make businesses that will outlast the pandemic. KCSourceLink.com has more information. That just about concludes our episode. We just need our closing thought. Ken Fee of Kansas City Chess Club discusses the importance of having passion for your business. Follow your passion. Create a business that you would actually volunteer for. Uh, I spent um, probably five or six years as a volunteer chess coach. And then at one point, I turned uh, my passion into a business. So, you know, when you follow your passion, it's actually not working. That's all for this week's episode. We'll be off for the holidays, but we'll return with more episodes once 2020 is finally over. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Casey Murray and me, Jack Anstein. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.